Thank you, Parker, and thank you, mission team, for this wonderful report to us. Your lives will never be the same again after the week that you spent in New York. And Parker, thank you for all that you've done to add spiritual depth to our youth during this summer. And our prayer is that God will bless you as you go back to your studies at the University of Georgia. Uh, we even pray that you'll have a good football season, <laughs> except on September the 11th when they come to Columbia to, pay, to play the Gamecocks. <laughs> I'm thankful also to Scott for giving me the opportunity to share with you uh, tonight. Uh, <clears throat> after being out of church for a period of three months back earlier this year with some serious health problems, something was completely new uh, to me. Uh, and I came back to church. Scott said that whenever I was ready, he wanted me to come and speak, you know, to the church. And uh, he said, I don't want to pressure you. Uh, you come whenever you're ready. And so sometime in June, I told him that I thought that I would be ready uh, by mid-July or later, but I would prefer a Sunday night because for some reason I have more strength now at night than I do of the morning. I can't explain that, and neither can my doctor, uh, but that's just the way it is, and so he's given me this opportunity to share with you tonight. Also, let me just say this word about uh, Scott. Uh, I've had the privilege over my lifetime of hearing some of the greatest preachers across America, uh, not on TV, not on radio, but in person. And I can say uh, without any reservation, right now I'd rather hear Scott preach God's word than anybody I've heard in the past or know in the present. He rings my bell whenever he <laughs> preaches God's word. And uh, it's just a blessing to me. I've spent uh, 50 years on this side of the pulpit, on the giving side. And it's a wonderful privilege for me now at my age to be able to sit with you and to be a part of you and to listen and to an expository preacher uh, share with us God's word. So when I began to think, well, what will I share with the people? on this uh, Sunday night, I actually went in three different directions. Uh, I guess, you know, here it's been exactly to the day, six months since I preached. Uh, I had to resign my interim pastorate uh, back at the end of January, and so here it is six months later. I guess I had so much on my mind and so many things I wanted to say, I was going in three different directions. <laughs> but then I came to something that I've been concerned about ever since uh, my wife and I came back to the church seven years ago. In fact, we joined here seven years ago this month. And uh, I've been concerned about this ever since. We, we do a good job at uh, voting on a budget. We vote on a budget, we approve it, and we say this is what we're going to do. 
But then we put our leadership under tremendous pressure by always coming up short, you know, on what we have promised that we would do. And so I want to talk with you tonight about a subject that uh, most people don't like to hear the pastor talk about. So Scott has no idea what I'm saying tonight. I haven't discussed it with him. He's not aware of whatever I am talking to you about tonight. I'm not the pastor. I'm just one of you. I'm a fellow church member with a deep concern. And I'm not even calling this a sermon. It's just a heart-to-heart -heart talk of a fellow church member with people that I love and have loved for 42 years in my relationship with uh, this church. But I want to talk with you about money. And whenever the pastor mentions the word money, a lot of people, they just close their minds automatically or get a very negative attitude about it. Would you open your Bibles to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi? I want to read three verses. Chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. You're familiar with this. You've heard this before. But I'm going to read these three verses of Scripture. And then I want to talk with you about storehouse tithing. Beginning with verse 8. It says... Will man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. For more than 57 years, I have been practicing storehouse tithing. Now, as I began to put the message together, I stopped and asked myself a question. Why do I do this? Why do I tithe my income to my local church? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons. First reason, before I ever understood what the scriptures had to say about tithing or about stewardship, I began tithing because of the example and the instructions of my dad. My dad was a tither. He tithed as far back as I can remember up until the day that he died. At age 16, like most boys that grew up on a textile mill village, I went to work in the mill uh, to make some money. Uh, worked part-time after school, during uh, the summers. But whenever I began to earn some money for my labor, my dad sat me down and we had a little talk. And dad said to me, son, as long as you live in my house and as long as you put your feet under my dinner table, you will be expected to give 10 cents out of every dollar that you earn to our local church. 
a little over 53 years ago, I moved out of my dad's house, established my own home, but I did not at that point cease tithing. Why? Because I had come to realize this is more than just a habit. And this is more than just something that you do because your parents have instructed you that you ought to do. So that leads me to the second reason. I've continued over the years to tithe because I became convinced that God's word teaches me that I should tithe. Tithing one's income is taught in the scriptures. And because tithing is scripturally based, I have continued to tithe down through the years. I tithe the little bit of money that I made going to college, the little bit of money that I earned while I was a student in the seminary. I tithed during the time that uh, our children were very small and my wife was not working and we were living on one income, which was a pastor's income. I tithed during the time that my two daughters were in college at the same time. I have continued all of these years of tithing my income, and I intend to go on tithing even until my last breath. My will states that the first 10% of my estate's value at the time of my death will go to the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention in order to help carry out the great commission of our Lord to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Go back to the Old Testament. Begin with Abraham. Abraham was a tither. Jacob was a tither. He tithed because of his gratitude to God. In the book of Leviticus, we read that when Moses gave the law of God to the Jewish people, he included the law of the tithe. Now, he did not initiate it. This was not his new idea that he came up with. But with the writings of Moses, it became a part of the worship of the Jewish people. It became a part of the revealed will of God for his people. We come to the New Testament and we find that Jesus taught tithing. Now, if there's anyone in the congregation that feels that tithing is strictly an Old Testament practice and we're New Testament Christians and we're under grace and we're not obligated to tithe, all I ask you to do is just open your mind and listen for the next few minutes to what I'm about to explain. Jesus told the Pharisees, who were very strict in every letter of the law, that they tithe and that they should. But he went on to say that they should not leave undone such things as mercy and judgment and faith. You see, tithing is not a substitute for Christian action. We have a lot of people that think that it is, but it is not. You can't face the needs of your fellow man and say, well, I have no responsibilities for these kind of things. 
because you see I tithe my income and that takes care of my obligations. Let the missionaries go. Let the pastor win the lost. Let the benevolent committee take care of the human needs. I tithe. I have fulfilled my duty. That's what the Pharisee said. That's what the Pharisee did. Tithing is not a substitute for personal service, but Jesus did commend tithing. He said, this you ought to do. And I believe that if Jesus says you ought to do it, you ought to do it. In addition to this, I believe that Jesus practiced tithing. Now, somebody's going to say, okay, show me a verse for that. I cannot. I cannot show you a verse of Scripture that says Jesus was a tither. But this is one of those things that we say is an argument from silence. One day, Jesus ate without washing his hands. And the Pharisees criticized him for it. One day Jesus went into the house of a sinner to eat and the Pharisees criticized him for it. It came time to pay taxes and a rumor was started that Jesus wasn't paying his taxes and so he sent Peter down to the lake to do some fishing. Peter brought back a fish, handed it to Jesus. Jesus reached down in the mouth of the fish and by a miracle pulled out a coin that was enough to pay his and Peter's taxes. Do you think that the Pharisee would let Jesus get by without bringing a tithe to the temple, without criticizing him? If they would criticize him for who he ate with and for not washing his hands, for not paying taxes, you can be sure that they would have criticized him if he had not been a tither. And besides this, do you think that Jesus would have said to them, this you ought to do and then not do it himself? I'm not going to be guilty of standing here before you tonight and accuse Jesus of preaching about something and then not practicing what he preached. I believe that Jesus was a tither. And as a follower of Jesus, I ought to do nothing less. Tithing is scriptural. It's also personal. Now, there are people who say, well, I'll tithe, but I don't want anybody to know about it. It's nobody's business but mine. And then they use a statement from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount to try to prove what they've just said. They go to Matthew chapter 6 and pull out a word that says let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Well that's a poor interpretation of this passage of scripture in connection with tithing. Jesus was talking here about helping a poor person on the street. Jesus had in, a, in, in mind a person who's getting ready to drop a small coin 
into the blind beggar's tin cup. But before he does it, he looks around. He wants to make sure that somebody is going to see his benevolent act. And what Jesus is saying here is, you need not bother. They'll hear it. Go ahead and drop your coin in the cup. You see, we must not treat God like a blind beggar. We must not tip God like he was a waiter. Tithing is an entirely different thing. I don't want to be small with God. I want to do exactly what God expects me to do, and he blesses us accordingly. Tithing is very personal, but it is not private. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I am a tither of my income. I feel that it is the only honest thing that I can do. I'm not ashamed of my relationship to God. It's not something that I try to keep a secret or regard as being strictly personal and, and private. And since I am not ashamed of my relationship to God, I openly declare it. And since I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm a tither of my income, I openly declare that also. And I don't do this to boast. It's nothing to boast about. You see, I haven't given anything until, first of all, I have given to God the tithe. And then I give above that. Tithing is just being honest with God and I want people to know that I do my best to be honest with God. And so today, I tithe because of example, because of instructions, because it is scriptural, because it is personal. Twice a month, I write a check to the Abner Creek Baptist Church for the support of the budget of this church it's a tithe of my income that i receive from the social security administration and from the annuity board of the southern baptist convention the reason i write two checks is uh, i receive my uh, money from the uh, social security administration in the middle of the month i receive my money from the annuity board at the end of the month and then I give offerings over and above the tithe to support mission programs and other programs within the church that are not budgeted or mission uh, offerings in the church that are not a part of the budget, such as the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and the Annie Armstrong offering and the Janie Chapman offering and other offerings. And then, as I have opportunity to do so I give to other causes outside of the church now I've not shared this with you to boast about it or for a pat on the back this is exactly what God expects me to do and I want you to know that my, my one desire in life is to do what God expects me to do now, up to this point, my message has been mainly a personal testimony. The rest of it, 
I want it to be a challenge to those of you who are members of Abner Creek Baptist Church. You are my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm coming to you simply as another member to challenge you. Tithing is not just God's method of getting money. You see, it all belongs to God. He doesn't have to have what you call your money in order to survive. It all belongs to him. And whatever you have, whether it's a large amount or a small amount, God has allowed you to have that until your time is up. And when your time is up, you're not going to take one cent of it with you. What he's going to do, he's going to take what you have had, let somebody else have it until their time is up. And then it'll just keep going on in that way. So what is tithing? Tithing is God's method of growing you spiritually. When you make a covenant with God to return to him at least a tithe of what he allows you to have and you follow through on that covenant, you grow spiritually. You become more like the one who gave everything for you on Calvary. I have a house over on Gin House Road and I claim that house to be mine. But you know the only way that I can keep claiming that that house is mine is to send the savings and loan company that holds the deed to that house a payment at the first of every month. I am obligated to them. Today is the first day of the month. Listen, there's a check in the mailbox for them when they open their mail tomorrow because this is Sunday. But when they open their mail tomorrow, my payment will be there. I'm obligated to them. I'm also obligated to God. The Bible says the tithe is the Lord's, and it belongs to him just as much as that payment belongs to the savings and loan company who holds the deed to my house. And I'm stealing from God if I take that money and I use it for anything else. I believe that God looks upon me as a steward. He holds me responsible for what I do with what he has made available to me. But I also believe that churches are stewards and God holds churches responsible for that which he has given to us. Let me share with you quickly three ways that the church is a steward. First of all, the church is a steward of God's word. We have a responsibility of getting the word of God out to the people who make up the world in which we live. There's an old story, it's a true story, that helps to explain this. Back at the 
very beginning of the 20th century, when radio was still in its infancy, the King of England decided to make a speech, and he wanted all the people of England to hear that speech. This would be a new experience. And so down at the radio station, a technician began to check out every piece of equipment to try to anticipate any problem that might go wrong. He wanted to make sure that everything was just right. But something came up that he had not anticipated. Only seconds before the king's speech was to begin, he noticed the main wire was broken in two, and there was no time to repair it. And he grabbed the two ends of that wire and stood there for the next 15 minutes and let his body be a channel for the current so that the king could speak because his attitude was this, the message of the king must go out. And somehow, I believe that the church needs to get a commitment like that. We must recognize that we have the message of the king the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it must go out to the ends of the earth. We have it in our hands, and therefore we are stewards of the word of God. He didn't give us the Bible so that we could put it under glass in a museum somewhere. He gave us his word so that we could proclaim it to all people everywhere. It takes money to do that, to get the message out. If all of God's children were faithful stewards, and if all of God's churches were faithful stewards, we would have no problem whatsoever of getting the word of God out to the people of this world. Second, the church is a steward of people. Now, most people don't realize this, in the book of Acts, there's a statement, and you've heard it, and you've heard preachers preach on this many times, and you have read this. The statement is this, the Lord added unto the church daily those who were being saved. And I hope that you notice that it said, the Lord added them to the church. The greatest resource that any church has is its people not its bank account. Paul told the church at Ephesus that God had given to the church evangelists and teachers and pastors for the equipping of the saints for the work of the church. This is somehow the work of the church to train and to equip its people. But this is not all of the work of the church. It's the task of the church to see that the program of the church is big enough to challenge the very best that is in every one of us. We're guilty many times of thinking small and many times planning small because we think that we don't have the resources needed to produce a challenging program. As a result, our plans are not big enough for ourselves, much less 
for God. God expects us to train, equip, prepare people for the responsibilities and the tasks that he assigns to us. And we'll never, never be able to accomplish that by thinking and planning small. There's a third area that we're responsible for in stewardship. The church must be a steward of its resources. Most churches have poor self-images, poor complexes. We begin to think that we are poor because we see other churches who have more people, more facilities, more resources than we do. And when we see other churches with more of everything than we have, we begin to conclude we are a poor church. We can't do all of those things, we say. The only thing that makes a church poor is its attitude about itself. Whenever Jesus sent a message out to the churches, in the book of Revelation chapter 2, one of his messages went to the church at Smyrna. And this is what Jesus said to that church. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. You see, we serve the same God that the large church with the multiple resources serves. And when all of the resources of God are available, it then becomes a matter of having enough faith to claim the promises of God. Hear this. A church can do anything that God expects it to do. If we attempt to do what God expects us to do, then it becomes God's business to supply the resources, not ours. But remember this, when God supplies the resources, he doesn't put them in the offering plate. He puts them in the pockets and in the pocketbooks of his children and then his children have to be faithful stewards for God to bless the church. Why? That's the way God does it. He doesn't rain pennies from heaven. But he does bless businesses. And he does make jobs available. And when a church has a program big enough to challenge its members and a program big enough to feel that it is doing what God expects it to do, then it has a right to look to God and say, God, move our hearts to lay on the altar whatever is necessary to accomplish your work. And when God does that, then the church has to be faithful to do with the resources that which God has given the resources. So yes, I believe in personal stewardship. But I'm sorry to have to report to you tonight, most Baptists don't believe that. You say, how do you know that? 
Well, I've been working with churches for over 50 years. Across this great convention of ours, 20% of the church members give 80% of the money that comes into the church program. Another 30% give the other 20%. That leaves 50% of our church members that give nothing to the work of the church. I can assure you from experience that the 50% and the 30% are the ones who scream the loudest and put up the biggest objection whenever the pastor mentioned the word money one time a year. If I didn't practice storehouse tithing, I'd never say a word to you about it, but because I do practice it as a member of this church who loves this church, I have a right to say something about it. I also believe in church stewardship the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, to whomsoever much is given, is much shall be required. This congregation, I'm talking about us now, Abner Creek Baptist Church, we have been blessed by God in so, so many ways over the years. We've been on the receiving end of so much. God has been good to us. And now he requires much from us in return. And God's going to hold every member of this church accountable for what we do with the good gifts that he has entrusted to us as individuals and to us as a congregation of people. When I became a Christian, I had a desire to go all the way with God. And I don't believe that a person ever goes all the way with God unless that person tithes their income. The tithe is the Lord's. If I keep the tithe for myself, for my own personal use. I'm a thief. Who am I stealing from? I'm stealing from God. And so I want to challenge you tonight. If you're not a tither, try it. And you will find that the remainder of what you have will accomplish more than you are accomplishing now. And it'll also give you the peace of mind that you are practicing what God has instructed you to do through his word. And so my prayer for our church is that we would reach the point that the members of our church would honor the Lord by giving to him that which belongs to him. I thought a long time about how should I close out our service tonight. I came up like I was 
doing with my sermons. I had three or four different ideas about what to do. And as I thought through it and thought through it, I came to this conclusion. The message I've shared with you tonight is just a heart-to-heart talk, a member to other members. I've not preached to you tonight for you to make some kind of decision and tell me about it. In fact, I don't want you to tell me anything. I am going to challenge you to do this, though. And I don't know who gives and who does not give. I've never known that in the churches wherever I've been. It's not any of my business. But I'm going to challenge you tonight, if you're not a tither, I'm going to have prayer in a moment, and we're going to go home. I want you, when you get home, to get alone with God. And just be honest with God. He already knows all of it. You don't have to tell him for him to know it. He already knows it. But you tell him, I'm acknowledging the fact, God, I've been stealing from you. I'm a thief. Makes me a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. Head over heels in debt. Owe everybody. But I'm going to tithe my income. I want your help. Then if you want to tell me anything, six months from now, 1st of February, you come back And if I'm still living and you're still living, you tell me whether it works or not. I guarantee you, God's word does not lie. God says, put me to the test. And when you put me to the test, I'll show you. I'll pour out my blessings upon you. I don't know how those blessings might come. But I know this, they'll come. Would you consider doing that? That's just between you and God. You make it right with him. We'll all know about it because we'll see the offering go up week by week. Or if you're here tonight and... uh, You just feel, I've been carrying this money in my pocket today and it doesn't belong to me. I've got to get rid of it. Uh, Herman sitting over here, he'll be glad to take it. He'll be glad to receive it before you go home tonight. And I know where it'll go then. It'll go right into the church budget. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, Thank you for this night. Thank you, first of all, for this mission team who went to New York. Thank you for Parker and his leadership. And thank you, Father, for all that they accomplished. Thank you for the fact they brought honor to your name. But also thank you for what you did in their lives and the change you brought about in them because they were a part of this mission team.
thank you for the reports we receive from them. And thank you, Father, for letting me share these words with people that I love tonight. Not as a pastor, not even as a preacher, just as a fellow church member of saying, we've got to be honest with God. And I would pray that each of us would just have open minds and let you work in our hearts and in our minds in such a way that we would be honest with you about the tithe. Bless us now as we go our separate ways. Watch over us and care for us. Be with Scott and his family on vacation this week. Give to them rest for their bodies and their minds. Bring them back safely to us. Be with Parker as he flies to New York tomorrow. Just be with him as he makes that journey and then back here and then back to school. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for all of your blessings. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> share with him, share with y'all publicly what, um, no, okay, share with him publicly what, what he has done for us and our community. It's going to make it very difficult for us to find somebody else to fill his place. Um, he is 18 years old and he has challenged our youth group and the youth leaders that have been working with him and that have watched him teach our youth and that have been there um, it, it's been more than we could have ever hoped for for the summer um, you have been given a God-given talent and just continue to search God as I know you will uh, in what he would have for you to do if you would raise your hand yes raise your hand and if Parker will come up here we just have a little something to remind him of um, of our summer <laughs> he's nervous he don't like being on this end of stuff he don't mind doing it to us <laughs> But truly, he has been great, and um, we wanted to present him with this. It's our fun summer, and uh, we just couldn't have asked for any more. But to remember to pray for the youth and pray for Parker as he uh, continues to to search God for, for what's uh, in store for him. So that's why I just wanted to present this to you and share this. So thank you. <laughs> Y'all can come look at it. <laughs> Thank you very much, and um, I can't I can't say much or I'll lose it up here. But it's um it's been a life changing experience, and I thank you all for it. And I think thank you, youth. Um, Specifically, y'all are dismissed. <laughs>